Welcome to the Christian Wealth Podcast, where people come to learn what the Bible says about money, wealth, and business. Be inspired by some of the greatest Christian thinkers and commentators from around the planet. Enjoy this episode with your host, Alex Cook. Alex, special welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Great to be with you again today. Alex, it almost sounds a little sensationalist if we ask <laughs> that question, is yeah. chaos coming? And uh, we might think it's a black and white response, a yes or a no, but uh, let's uh, perhaps, if we're going to address this, perhaps let's talk about a biblical insight into what we might be feeling because sometimes people are fearful of a future if they believe chaos is coming. I wonder if you've got some insights here into a biblical foundation of how you might approach difficult times. Uh, look, absolutely. So look, I'd like to start when we talk about you know the future and, and so forth, we should look at that in a very humble, humble sense because the, the truth is none of us know the future. We certainly know when you read the book of Revelation, it does look at you know, it does look pretty chaotic when you see that. Uh, however, you know, there's different interpretations as, as to how that will play out. But if we look at it from an economic perspective, there's two fabulous Bible verses that I like to quote because I think they really give us a useful way of thinking about money and economics. So the first one is from Proverbs. And what it says is a sensible man watches for problems ahead and prepares to meet them. The simpleton never looks and suffers the consequences. And then the second one, which may appear slightly contradictory, says, since no one knows the future, who can tell someone else is what is to come? And that's from Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 8. Now, on face value, they may appear to be contradictory, but I don't think they are. I think the reality is that, as they say, no one knows the future. I can't tell listeners what the stock market's going to do today or tomorrow or the next week. It's just impossible to predict. However... A sensible man looks for problems ahead. And I know on your program, you're dealing with a lot of the cultural issues. There's the same thing with economics. We can see certain things that you know at some point have to bite. And the one that we've been warning about for years is the level of debt. Um, And at some point, you reap what you sow. You know, you have to pay the debt back. And so that's that's what I would call, you know, a long-term problem that is really obvious. And a sensible man can then make decisions as to how they're going to navigate that environment. Um, but we need to, have, need to have that sort of humble view and pray for God for wisdom and discernment because we just don't know exactly how these things are going to play out and in what time frame. Um, so that's, that's sort of a bit of a thinking, I guess, from a biblical perspective. And be careful who you listen to, obviously. Well, as you say, Including be careful me. who you <laughs> listen to. And uh, that's a humbling thing to say, uh, including me. Uh, in other words, uh, check a lot of different sources. But the interesting thing is, if you are reading the financial pages, uh, you might get one perspective on the economic climate from one economist and you might get a different idea from another. Somehow or other, you do tend to take sides the more you read. But uh, your thoughts on who you might trust when it comes to not just those biblical foundations, which I think are trustworthy, but those other things that we're always looking at surrounding the economic environment. Yeah, so in terms of who you trust, this is and you're right, you need to be careful because, um, you know, I think when you read things like the newspaper and so forth, you have to ask, how are these organisations making their money? And the majority of them make their money through advertising, you know, whether it's a newspaper, et cetera. 
And the biggest funders of advertising uh, are the banking and property sectors. You know, you see housing advertised for sale, you see uh, banks, etc. And so naturally, they're not going to do things and, and release commentary that's going to have a negative effect on their business. So these companies are worried about outflows, you know, when money leaves them. And so they're only they're generally going to paint a fairly positive picture. You know, get the occasional sort of big doom and gloom from left field, but for the most part, they're fairly... Um, biased. And I think no, it's not necessarily sinister, it's just the way it, the system's wired, if you like. Um, so you do need to be very careful um, and, and discerning. So what I personally do is I read very widely and, and I try and read economists uh, that are independent, you know, they're not relating to a large financial institution because I think that way you can try and get a bit more clarity uh, and then try and reach your own conclusion. And, and as I say, pray for wisdom. You know, I'm that stewarding client's capital. I want to make sure that I'm going to do that as best best I can. And I pray for God for help regularly because uh, you, you do need that in this uh, in this economic climate that we find ourselves in. We might be asking, is chaos coming? Uh, but I guess what you can settle on is that things are becoming a lot more volatile uh, given the mm. post-COVID environment. Any thoughts on how you might look at things, you know, not only our Australian setting but around the world because those things affect us as well? Yeah, look, a couple of things that I would draw people's attention to. So volatility, so when I talk about volatility, I mean the fluctuation in share prices, et cetera, also the bond market, all of that has really accelerated this year. You do expect markets to be, you know, bounce around in general. Uh, but for example, last week, the US put out their inflation figures and it came in slightly higher expected. And when I say slightly, I mean very slightly, 0.1 of a percent. Um, but because it was not what the market expected, the stock market fell 4% in a single night, which is a very large fall. It's one of the, the biggest falls since the GFC, so quite a significant fall. And so the market seems to me to be now getting a lot more jittery about the, what's going on in the real economy. So this is starting to, to get more um, problematic. But then what we're also witnessing around the world, particularly in Europe, is energy costs have exploded. Uh, so, for example, I read a fascinating article the other day saying the average uh, electricity cost in the UK was going to be £3,900 per household, which is probably about $8,000. So, yet the average household in the UK only earns just over £40,000. So, you're talking about 10% of a household budget going in energy costs at least. So, that's a huge um, pressure. And, of course, they're going into winter there. And so that's going to have a big flow on economic impact. But probably the, the bigger issue other than just households is all the small businesses you know, that require electricity to function all day, whether it's their air conditioning or just you know their equipment. Uh, and so if this is a real, real issue. I think the energy crisis in Europe, um, if I was a betting man, and I'm not a betting man, if I was, um, I think... <laughs> I think uh, Europe could be the, uh, if you like, the source of the next crisis. If I was to, you know, Germany uses this massive industrialised economy, I think it's the fifth in the world, and, you know, now you've got Russia switching off their, their gas. Uh, that, to me, could have a huge flow-on effect to these large industrialised economies like Germany, uh, and you could see a GFC-style event because, at the end of the day, energy is one of your essentials for, the, you know, the functioning of civilization. And so it is a real problem when it gets this expensive. And there's all sorts of legislation now getting passed in the UK and places like that to try and cap it. Um, but I'm not sure how easy it is to control as politicians 
like to think that we live in this era now where politicians feel because they're under so much pressure they have to do something and sometimes that can make things worse. So it's I think the environment is just getting less and less predictable. I mean, I would say the future in one sense has always been uncertain, um, but it's getting less and less predictable. And of course, you're seeing uh, a massive political polarisation around the world. Uh, we've seen that especially in the US. Um, so this, uh, these issues seem to me that they're about to bite soon. And if you go locally in Australia, you know, interest rates have spiked massively since May. Great for savers and retirees, but terrible for homeowners. And I suspect in six months' time, that's when you'll really see that bite as people's fixed loans mature and they end up on, um, you know, on much higher rates than what they were paying six to 12 months ago. So you can see the, the, the clouds are there uh, and, they're, and they're gathering. It looks like uh, global recession is uh, very much on the cards. In fact, I'd say many economies are probably already in in recession. So, yeah, very interesting times ahead. About to bite soon. Uh, and as you say, uh, it does appear that there are economies around the world that are in recession. Let's talk about the biggest economies. You were talking about Europe, and that's uh, across many nations, uh, but many of us will look at the US or even China. Uh, economies, uh, they actually do have an effect on, on our economy here. So we, we are actually, uh, in some sense, uh, affected quite dramatically by what's ha- what else is happening in the world. Oh, absolutely. The world is so globalised now. I mean, if you take China, for example, with Australia, that's 30% of our exports. Uh, and likewise, you know, you walk into a, you know, a Target or a Kmart, probably, I, I don't know what percentage it is, but it's an extremely high percentage of goods come from there. So when you get all these supply chain issues, you know, Australia is going to get deeply impacted. But um, probably the biggest one, and the, the one Australia is very much affected by, is the US. And some people may have heard of the cliche that when the US catches the cold, um, uh, sorry, when the when the when the when the US sneezes, the whole world catches a cold. I think is the, the correct one. And uh, w- what we're seeing in, in the US is, you know, it really is in recession. Uh, one of the largest companies in the world, Federal Express, which you know all of us will have used, who've had parcels delivered our house from Federal Express, they announced a significant slump in their profits last week and closing down of I think close to 90 branches. And the reason being though was because they're seeing lower volumes of goods you know transported around the world. So that's kind of like a, a warning sign of what's been going on. But I think. Uh, what concerns me in the US now is it almost looks like a civil war at the political level, not at the, you know on the ground, but just politically. This just utter hatred uh, for the opposition is uh, is rising, and a number of Donald Trump's uh, associates have been arrested over the last few weeks. Um, and so you can see is a real, you know, it looks like it's becoming a banana republic when you when you look at some of the behaviour going on there. Uh, and without wanting to sound cynical, America just passed this new legislation two weeks ago called the Inflation Reduction Act. And uh, unfortunately, in this day and age, and I just say I apologise for being cynical, often the name of a bill is the opposite to what actually occurs. You know, inflation reduction is something we all want. Um, but you have to look at the underlying policies that make up that act. And uh, one of them, in the case of the US, is forgiving student debt. But a number of independent economists have already come out and said, well, that's actually going to put more money in students' hands and people who have got this student debt. And therefore, it's actually going to be inflationary. So it's actually going to do the opposite to what they're saying it's going to do. So, um, And of course, that means higher rates and even more 
a break on the economy through higher interest rates. So you can see these sort of things playing out in real time and happening quite rapidly. So yeah. So when the politi- when politicians are polarised, they can't get wrong and uh, can't get along. There's something that happens, uh, and it's not so much uh, the actual economy, but it's the confidence that people have uh, that's affected. But when we're talking interest rates now, because this is where we often will say the Reserve Bank is juggling just how far to increase interest rates because they're trying to put the brakes on an overheating economy so that they can avoid a recession. But if they get it all wrong, then we'll be in recession too. How high do you think, Alex, our rates are likely to go before our economy slows to the point where uh, that's what the Reserve Bank wants to do to keep those those uh, those inflationary rates, uh, you know, in in the right range. Well, central banks, are, in theory, they're independent, right? And so, in theory, they out, operate outside of uh, you know government or political influence. However, they're subject to similar sort of pressures, though. Uh, and central banks don't want to be blamed for inflation getting out of control. That's what they'd be very worried about. They don't want it to, to run right for years and years. So it seems to me, and particularly the US Federal Reserve, is utterly determined to get the inflation rate down and are willing to do you know, whatever it takes, to use that expression, um, to bring it back down. So that suggests to me that if these inflation figures continue to rise, as they have been, then they're going to keep putting up rates until until it breaks, if you like, and we, we then go into recession. So it seems to me they're literally hiking us into a recession, both overseas but but here in Australia as well. Um, the 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 US or sorry the Australian Reserve Bank will be nervous about house prices because that has a huge flow on effect to the rest of the economy. So if they if they get it wrong and house prices fall much more than they expect then I think you may then see them having to reverse course very quickly to try and you know, protect the housing market. Because what people forget about housing, even though my view is we need much cheaper housing in Australia, the reality is so many industries sit beside it, whether it's construction, whether it's retail, all those things are very much linked to the housing market and, and consumption. And so if they overdo it, you're going to see a very weak economy. And it's already tough. You know, I've been uh, travelling around Australia in the past two weeks and I've seen all these empty retail stores and so forth uh, because of the effects of COVID. So it's, um, it's already challenging out there for small business owners as it is. And obviously it's going to bite um, households. Even though unemployment is low, households are going to fight it hard if they've got a lot of debt. Not much time left. Let's just tackle some things quickly here. Alex, where do you see the property market heading from here, uh, given those insights? Yeah, so look, Sydney and Melbourne are already falling sharply. You know, they're probably off close to 10% already for for both those big markets. And you'd expect that because they were already very, very inflated. Brisbane, though, is now finally starting to roll over. And many of the regional markets, though, have held up very nicely because there's still been that COVID response of people leaving. You know, now they, people want to work from home, so there's had that sort of push of people out of the cities into the regional areas. I suspect that that will now slow down considerably, you know, because I think those who are going to leave have probably done so. Uh, maybe a few still more to go. Um, but uh, certainly those regional areas will start to weaken as well as interest rates rise because at, at the end of the day, Interest rates affect people's consumption because if they're paying huge amounts of debt, 
um, that's going to have a flow-on effect. But the thing in, in the housing market that's more the concern is the rental crisis that we've got around the nation where people just can't find rental properties. You know, there's the lowest vacancy rates, I think, in recorded history at the moment. Uh, so that's a massive crisis in and of itself. And unfortunately, the Albanese government is actually going to worsen it because they've said they're about to turn on the tap for more immigration into Australia. Now, generally speaking, immigration is a good thing, you know, if you have steady immigration over time. But if you allow too many too soon, too quickly, then that's going to drive the rental crisis even higher. So that is a very uh, serious risk. Um, but they'll be keen to do that to keep propping up house prices because rents will rise, which protects investors and so forth. So, um, yeah, the probably the bigger concern, I think, is the commercial property market because when you go around a lot of the CBD areas, you know, there's still it's still relatively quiet, especially on a Monday and a Friday. Companies are struggling to get their staff back into the offices. And so, you know, you're seeing lots of vacancies in these cities. It's hard to believe that that's not going to bite. If I was a large company, you'd be looking at how do you, uh, and many of them have been doing hot desking and things like that for years, but you'd be thinking to yourself, uh, how can we reduce our office space over the next couple of years? Um, both A, as we go into recession, and B, as um, you know, people don't want to return to work. In, in an office as much as they did in the past. So, yeah. yeah volatile times ahead. And if you're asking that question, is chaos coming? Uh, short of there being chaos, there'll certainly be a bite. Uh, just to perhaps tie a loose end or two together and come back to what we do as we handle these sorts of thoughts as a Christian believer, I wonder, Alex, if you've got any thoughts, if people are worried about what's going on, uh, what should they do? Any thoughts here? Yeah, so I divide this into two key parts. And look, it's natural for people to worry, particularly when they hear commentary on the news and so forth. But I break it into two parts. One is the spiritual part, and the other is the practical part. Um, the spiritual part is this. You know, the Bible tells us that, that we all have tough times in our lives. You know, we're not promised prosperity. And the Bible challenges is, you know, to take up our cross, to focus on Jesus, to run our race for him, and so to one extent, Christians should try and switch off a lot of this noise. It's good to be aware and awake with what's going on. But the flip side is we need to focus on what God is calling us to do, step out in faith, and also to be generous in these things. So turn off the worry and turn on, what can I do to help others during this, this season as things get more challenging? Um, and I think I always say to people, you know, I, I mean, I love reading God's Word, and it's such an important time to reflect on God and who He is and His character, what He's actually like, and how powerful he is. You know, we're talking about a God that's all-knowing, all-powerful, who can get us through these seasons. We don't, we don't need to worry. We have a supernatural God who's on our side who can get us through. So we need to think like that. We need to think biblically, and we need to spend the time with God so we, just, so we don't have this fear that the devil's trying to throw at us all the time. So that's the spiritual side of it, but then there's a practical side of it. And the practical side is just to take sensible steps to become a good steward with what God's put in your hands. You know, make sure you have control over your budgeting. Okay. You've got to, you know, know how you're spending your money. Look where you can cut back if you've got excesses. Look where you can save money. Um, you know, look potentially to lock in rates if you're worried that you can't afford it if rates go too much higher from where they are today. Um, interestingly, I was chatting to a financial counsellor earlier, uh, earlier this morning, and uh, what he was telling me is that a lot of the states um, have um, uh, basically, it's like an energy, um, an energy saving uh, policy whereby you can apply to the uh, particular energy company that you use 
to have uh, a government, essentially partially government subsidised. Now, obviously, that's depending on your circumstance. It's depending on the state that you live in. But these are the things that people can look at to potentially bring their costs down if they're really struggling already. So there's lots of little things we can do. And just think practically, don't be afraid to get help. You know, the Bible says, seek the counsel of others, uh, whether it's a financial counsel or a financial planner, uh, or even people who you know are financially savvy. Get help. Don't be afraid to talk about it. Don't be afraid to ask because there's lots of people out there who can help you. And we need to be helping each other and encouraging each other in this season because I look at tough times as an opportunity for the gospel. We've got to get it out there. We've got to take advantage of the seasons that we're in so that we can win as many people for Jesus, irrespective of what's going on around us in uh, in the, the crazy world we find ourselves in. Well, if chaos is coming, it may come to one household and not another. And as you say, Alex... There is help out there. Sometimes we need some level of support to know where to find that help. And uh, as you say, there are financial counsellors. Uh, there are financial uh, advisors who can help to deal with those issues. Alex Cook is the founder of Wealth With Purpose. You can connect with Alex at his website, wealthwithpurpose.com. Uh, all sorts of free resources on that website. You can follow Alex on Facebook and on Twitter. There's also an email address, askalex at wealthwithpurpose.com. If you have a question you'd like to have us address on this Tuesday regular update. Alex Cook, great getting your insights as always. Thanks so much for being with us once again today on 2020.